You're listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both blessed and challenged by this teaching. Bibles tonight, open them to Numbers chapter 32. Numbers chapter 32. I'm going to begin where we left off two weeks ago. For those of you who were not here, we talked two weeks ago about the spies that were sent into the promised land. We talked at length about how God said to to his people, to the Israelites, I'm going to take you into a land that's flowing with milk and honey. It was a land of abundance. It was a land of provision. It was a picture of God giving us the fullness of all that he has for us, that he wants us to possess and inherit everything he has for us. It's a place flowing with milk and honey a place of great provision. And he says, I want you to go in and possess it, and I want you to dwell there. I don't want you to miss the fact that he said to his people, I want you to go into this land, possess it, and dwell there. Abide there. Stay there in this land flowing with milk and honey. Don't forget that as we begin this teaching tonight. Who knows that when God says something, he means it. The Bible says that his word is yea and amen to those who believe. Here's what I think is wrong with the church today. I think we know the word of God. We can quote the scripture, but I wonder how many of us really believe it. How many of us really say, Lord, I am not going to give up until I possess the fullness of that promise in my life. We prayed tonight as a team. I prayed, I said, Lord, you said that you came to set the captives free. You came to release the prisoners from darkness. You came to bind up the brokenhearted. And I am going to believe and declare a decree that we are going to see the fullness of that in this place tonight. Do you understand that I'm taking God at his word? That I'm saying you said it, I believe it, and that settles it. I wonder, church, if that's really what we believe today. Or do we go to church on a Sunday morning and we expect the preacher to impress us with all that he studied that week, that we leave with a fine-sounding sermon, that, that we might be inspired a little bit, but does it really change us? Does it really influence us? Do we really believe that those words are applicable to our life today? Do we stand on them and believe them and possess them with everything we have? Do we see the fruition of it coming true in our lives? God said to the Israelites, I want you to go in and possess this land and dwell there. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, and I'm going to give it to you. Now, what happened, we talked about it two weeks ago, where where the Israelites came to Moses, and they said, we know that God wants to give us this land, but how about we send some people in to take a look at it and to see if we really can possess it? Now, what was wrong with that? God told them they could. God told them they would. But instead of taking God at his word, they chose to take it into their own hands and say, is this really possible? Who knows when God says it, no matter how much it appears in the natural to be impossible, with God, nothing is impossible. Do you understand that? 
See, some of you in the natural have a circumstance in your life that looks pretty hopeless, that looks pretty big. You've got some giants in your land. And instead of saying, God said that I could possess this, God said that I'd have victory in this, instead of really believing that, in the natural we look at it and we get defeated. And that's what happened. We talked about it two weeks ago where, where the Israelites said to Moses, let's send in one man from each tribe. There were 12 tribes. Let's send in 12 men to go out and do a reconnaissance mission and go out and scout out the land to see if it's even possible for us to take it. And you know the story. We talked about it. Ten of those men come back with, a, with a, an evil report or a bad report, the scripture says. And, and they say, you know what? It's just like God said. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a, a land of great abundance. God really was speaking truth. But you know what? There's giants in this land, and I don't think we can take them. And, and so that, fee, that, that report of fear elicits fear in all the people. And, and instead of going in and taking possession of all that God had for them, they spend 40 years wandering in the wilderness because of the decision of 10 people to agree in fear instead of agree with what God said. And see, some of you are, are looking at the natural and you're letting fear seize you and say, this isn't even possible, even though God has said it's possible. Some of you are saying, my son's addicted, my daughter's addicted, and I don't think that it's possible for them to ever walk in victory. Some of you have said, my finances are in the red. It's looking pretty hopeless. My marriage is in shambles. I don't think it's possible to reconcile. I might as well fall, file for divorce. But God says, what God has brought together, let no man bring asunder. He says what's impossible with man is possible with God. Caleb and, and Joshua, we know, were two of the spies that came back with a positive report, and they said no matter what we see in the natural, we're going to choose to believe God over it. And that's where we left off two weeks ago, where, where we have now seen a whole generation, 40 years, wandering in the wilderness, a whole generation get lost because because. People failed to believe what God said. And a whole generation was lost as a result. And mamas and dads, let me just tell you what. We will lose a whole generation unless we rise up and choose to believe that God's who, God is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he can do. Unless we start believing God's word and living it out in front of our children and really being authentic, sold out, laid down lovers of God. We will lose a whole generation if we're not careful. And a whole generation was lost. They, he said, because of that report of fear, you will not be able to go into the promised land. So now in the story that we're going to begin talking about tonight, they've wandered 40 years in the wilderness, and they are now strategically placed right in front of the promised land. They're about to go in and take possession. And they're standing on the other side of the Jordan. The Jordan is what is separating them and keeping them from the promised land, from all that God promised them that they could have. The fullness of all that he wants us to live in. The inheritance that he says is ours in him. And so the, the Israelites are stationed across the Jordan looking at the promised land. And now Moses, because you'll remember the story where, where the people wanted water and there was no water. And God says, you can speak to that rock and water will flow out of it. What does Moses do instead of speaking to the rock? He whacks it. And what happens? 
God says, Moses, now you're not going to be able to go into the promised land. Seems a little stiff to me, doesn't it? Don't you think, oh, Lord, but he's had to deal with these whiners. He's had to deal with these people with a bad, bad attitude, and, and he just whacks the rock a little bit. Doesn't that seem a little steep for the punishment, Lord? And, and so that's just a whole other sermon right there. But, but, but because of that, Moses can't go in and possess the promised land. He's not going to see what he's worked for. That's a sermon, is it not? He's not going to be able to taste of what he's worked for and served the Lord faithfully for for how many years? See, some of you want instant payoff. You're saying, Lord, I'm giving my life. I'm laying down my life to you in ministry. I'm being faithful, and I'm not seeing the fruit of it. So what? Do it anyway. We need to be faithful. We need to be faithful. We are in a society that, that's a microwave drive-through society that wants instant payoff, that wants to see instantly uh, the, 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 the payoff for what we've done. How about faithfulness? How about just being faithful? How about, Lord, I'll do this no matter what? And so Moses, at the beginning of this chapter now, we'll see Moses is dying, and he's giving his last words, his last word of, of exhortation to the people, and, and Joshua is going to take over, and, and he is going to actually lead those people into the promised land because he was one of the spies that came back with the positive report who said, I'm going to choose to believe God no matter what I see. I wonder if there's anybody here tonight that would say, I'm going to choose to believe God no matter what I see. No matter what I see in the natural, I'm going to choose to believe what God says he'll do what happened to that church that's why people don't want our Jesus anymore because we are not believing that God is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he can do if we were really fierce with that kind of word, if we really believed that, we'd be walking up to people in the grocery store who have canes and crutches, and we'd be praying for the sick to be healed in Jesus' name, and we'd be transforming a world for Christ because we believe that he's who he says he is. And so here they are. They're at the promise. They're ready to go in and take possession of the promised land. Now, I want you to picture this. What happened before they got to the, to, to, to the Jordan? Let's go back and start at, at square one at, at the beginning. You know the Israelites were in bondage. They were in slavery to, in Egypt. They were in hard slavery for, for, for years and years and years in, in Egypt. And, and God said, I'll send a deliverer. And he raised up Moses. And, and he says, you go in and you deliver my people out of slavery, out of bondage. You tell them the great I am sent you. Everything you're going to have need of, I'll be for you. And, and he said, you just tell them that, Moses, that I'll be their deliverer. I'll be the one that sets them free and they're in this hard bondage they're in slavery in Egypt and you know that Egypt anywhere you read about it in the Bible is a picture of the world and it's a picture of us if you take this story and apply it to our life it's a picture of us before Christ it's a picture of us in bondage and slavery to the world and the things of this world that we're caught up in this world and we're held captive and in bondage to them and 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 God says I'll send a deliverer and he sends Moses in and can I tell you he sent a deliverer for you and I we were in bondage to the things of this world and he sent a deliverer and his name was Jesus are you in bondage tonight my question for you is, do you know my Jesus? He will deliver you from bondage. He will free you from captivity. He will deliver you right out of that slavery. But his name is Jesus. You can't deliver yourself. You need a deliverer. And so the Israelites, they come out of Egypt, out of bondage. And what's the first thing they face? Somebody tell me. 
What is it? What body of water? The Red Sea. And what happens? They get to the Red Sea, and God lifts up the Red Sea, and they go through on dry ground, and bam, the water comes down on their enemy. And it's a picture of conversion. It's a picture of leaving that world behind and heading into a new world with God. And and it's what you and I did when we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We left that world behind. We left the world and all it has to offer is slavery, is bondage behind. And we crossed over into a new life. And so then the Israelites for 40 years, instead of believing, how long, does anybody know how long that 40-year-old, that 40-year journey should have taken? 11 days. 11 days. That, That should have taken 11 days. And it took 40 years of whining and carrying on. And I wonder how many of you are taking 40 years for something that God wanted to do in 11 days. I just wonder how many of us, if we really came into agreement with all God said he would do, if we could just speed up the process in some of our lives. And so 40 years later, so it's a picture of us wandering as Christians, even though we're saved. (laughs) See, some of you are saved, you've been delivered, you've been set free, but you are in a wilderness. You're really not that much different than the unbeliever down the street. You're not walking in any victory. You're still as tied up and messed up as you were before Christ. But you know what? Hey, you're saved and going to heaven. Hallelujah. There's so much more. There's so much more. And so for 40 years, they wander (laughs) with the presence of God, mind you. It's always going before them. See, some of you got the presence of God with you. You're saved. You're delivered. You know Jesus. You see his power occasionally in your life, but you're not living in victory. And then they get to the the Jordan, and the Jordan, do you know that the word Jordan means descender? It means to go down. It means it's a picture of death. It's a picture of dying to self. And God is saying you got to cross over the Jordan to get to the promised land, to the fullness of all that I have for you. You see, some of you are not willing to cross over the Jordan. Lord, don't ask me to die to self. Don't ask me to be kind. Don't ask me to be gentle. Don't ask me to, to die to what I want. Don't ask me to sacrifice anything. Don't ask me, just let me live the way I want to live. Just let me get through being a marginal Christian, not really on fire for anything. Just let me get by. I crossed over the Red Sea. Now, don't you dare ask me to get into the Jordan. And he's saying, you know what? If you want the promised land, if you want the fullness of everything that I have for you, you got to cross. You got to cross. Numbers 32. Let's look at verse 1. Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of livestock. And when they saw the land of Jazar and the land of Gilead, that indeed the region was a place for livestock, The children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spoke to Moses, to Eleazar, the priest, to the leaders of the congregation, saying, all these wonderful places, the country which the Lord defeated before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock, and your servants have livestock. Therefore they said, if we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Do not take us over the Jordan. 
And Moses said to the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war while you sit here? Now why will you discourage the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord has given them? Thus your fathers did when I sent them away from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For when they went up to the valley of Esco and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel so that they did not go into the land which the Lord had given them. So the Lord's anger was aroused on that day, and he swore an oath, saying, Surely none of the men who came up from Egypt from 20 years old and above shall see the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. I wonder how many people here tonight are committed to wholly following him. So the Lord's anger was aroused against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness 40 years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was gone. And look, you have risen in your father's place, a brood of sinful men to increase still the more fierce anger of the Lord against Israel. For if you turn away from following him, he will once again leave them in the wilderness, and you will destroy all these people. Then when they came near to him, they said, we will build sheep folds for our livestock and cities for our little ones, but we ourselves will be armed and ready to go before the children of Israel until we have brought them to their place, and our little ones will dwell in the fortified cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not return to our homes until every one of the children of Israel has received his inheritance, for we will not inherit with them on the other side of the Jordan and beyond, because our inheritance has fallen to us on this eastern side of the Jordan. Then Moses said to them, if you do this thing, if you arm yourself before the Lord for war, and if all your armed men cross over the Jordan before the Lord until he's driven out all his enemies from before him, and the land is subdued before the Lord, then afterward you may return and be blameless before the Lord and before Israel, and this land shall be your possession before the Lord. But if you do not do so, then take note. You will have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Lord, I just pray that you'd help me to just bring this with clarity. There's so much that I want to say here. So much good stuff. Promise me you'll go home and study this. It's just so good. Here are two and a half tribes. Really what we see the, the most of is not the half tribe of Manasseh so much, but we see the tribe of Reuben and the tribe of Gad. Now, everybody remember who Reuben is. Reuben is the firstborn of Israel. Uh, he, he, there, there's firstborn inheritance rights that he should have had, but he forfeited those because he slept with his father's concubine. Mm. That's a preach right there. And so his father, right before he died, he's giving the blessing to his sons, and he says to Reuben, my firstborn, he said, you're as unstable as water, and you will never excel at anything. Can you imagine? That's a blessing from your father. <laughs> Again, see, some of you have had that kind of blessing from your father, and that dogs you all of your life. You can't ever escape his words. And, and mamas and daddies, let me just tell you what, be careful what's coming out of your mouth. He said, Reuben, you're as unstable as water. You, you know, water will take the form of whatever it's in. It doesn't really have any form of its own. And I love that water will flow wherever it wants to flow. And it doesn't have any respect for the landscape around it. It'll overflow its borders. And it goes whichever way it wants to go. And isn't that a picture of us sometimes? We go whatever way we want to go. And we're going to see that in this story. God, don't tell me which way to go. I'll choose my own way. He says, Reuben, you're unstable in all that you do, and you will never excel. And that blessing is going to dog him now. 
And we see that Moses saw that same thing in Reuben because Moses said of Reuben, he said, Lord, don't let that tribe basically fade away. Don't, don't, don't let it diminish. Don't let it die off. And then of Gad, Gad, they were the soldiers. They were the fighters. They were the troop. And Moses said of Gad, you took the best first for yourself. You fought for everybody else, but you chose the first for yourself. It's a picture of selfishness. And then Manasseh, the word Manasseh means to forfeit. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the word Manasseh means um, Lord. I want to just look this up because it's too good. I don't want to miss it. Uh, the, the word Manasseh means to forget or to neglect. It's a picture of us neglecting the word or forfeiting uh, and forgetting all that God has done in our life. And I just wanted you to see that half the tribe, not the whole tribe, half the tribe of Manasseh is left behind here. You see, there's only half that was consecrated and half that was not. And that's what happens in your life when you just half consecrate yourself to the Lord. You'll end up on the wrong side of the Jordan. And so here is the tribe of Manasseh, the, the tribe of Gad, and half tribe, half tribe of Manasseh, the tribe of Gad, and the tribe of Reuben. And, and they're parked, and they're ready to go in and inherit the promised land. And they go to Moses, and they say, you know what? <laughs> we got lots of livestock. You see, in Bible times, wealth was measured in how much livestock you had. Today, wealth is measured in how big your house is, how much money you have in your bank account, how much property you own, what kind of job you have, what kind of car you drive. But let me tell you what, in Bible time, wealth was measured in livestock. And so Reuben and Gad come to Moses, and he says, we got a lot of livestock. Materialism, prosperity, it'll always keep you from all that the Lord has for you if you're not careful. And they go to Moses and they say, we got a lot of livestock, Moses. And you know what? It's green here. It's fertile here. It's a beautiful place. And this is good for livestock. We see. Don't miss that. I think it's in verse 4. He says, we see that this is good for livestock. Oh, can I tell you? I think it's 1 John. It was, it was what we memorized. says that, that the lust of the eyes... <laughs> will keep you from all that God has for you. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of, the, pride of your heart. Oh, it's something I pray about all the time. Oh, Lord, guard me from the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of heart because I know that it'll take me places I don't want to go. Do you know that the word Reuben means the son who sees or see a son? Reuben saw a good-looking concubine and went to bed with his father's concubine. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What are you looking at? Where are you setting your eyes? That's what got them in trouble. He said, we see, this looks good. Can I just tell you, sometimes your good will keep you from God's best. They saw that the land looked good, and they were satisfied. You know what? We got lots of livestock. Well, this looks good to us. We're happy here. I know that God said we could have more. I know that God said he had a land that he wanted us to dwell in, but we're happy to dwell here. I wonder how many happy to dwell here settlers we have in this room. People who are settling when God has so much more. People who are seeing with their eyes in the natural and it looks good and you're satisfied. You're satisfied. Meanwhile, God has so much more that he wants to give to you. See, some of you, you're single and you hate to be single. You see, those, those Ru the, the Reubenites and the Gadites, they had spent a long time in the wilderness. We are just tired of going along. We are tired 
and we're just settle here. Some of you have been single a long time and you're tired of waiting for just the right person. You're tired of waiting for all that God has for you. And maybe, just maybe, you see somebody that looks kind of good. He, he says she's a Christian. Or she says she, she, she looks really good, and she's beautiful, and, you know, you've always wanted a trophy wife, and, you know, she's a pretty good person, and you settle instead of possessing all that God has for you. Some of you, you cross the Red Sea, you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've been following. You've been going through the wilderness of life. But you know what? You're just tired. And instead of selling out and, and burning out for him, you're just going to settle. They said, we see that this is a good land. It looks good. Might as well settle here. We're comfortable here. Some of you have settled because you're comfortable. Feels good. Life is good. You got money in the bank. You got a good, good spouse. You, you, you get a good job. Your, your family's good. Why do I need to really possess all that God has for me? Because life is pretty good. Okay, settle. I always talk to you about the first mention principle. Anytime a word is used in the Bible, you want to always find out where it was used first. Do you know where we see the, the word Jordan being used first? Does anybody know? Lot and Abraham. Abraham says, Lot, you can have whatever you want. There's not room for both of us here. You choose first. And, and the word says that, that they were looking down on the valley of Jordan, and Lot chose eastward. <laughs> Which side does Reuben and Gad want to live on? The east side. Abraham went the other direction. Lot is always a picture of the flesh. Abraham's always a picture of the spirit. He's saying, go east, that's the flesh. That's the fleshly side. Reuben and God didn't want to work to possess all that God had for them. They were tired. They were weary. We'll just settle. And the rest of the tribes went across and got full possession. It's a picture of us not wanting to cross the Jordan and die to self. We want to stay in the flesh. And I'm telling you, that's a problem with 99% of Christians is we are motivated by the flesh. We are saved and going to heaven. But the flesh motivates our life and we are content and satisfied with it. We are settling for so much less. We've got to cross the Jordan. We've got to cross that place of death, of dying to self, of dying to having my way, the way I want it, when I want it, how I want it, make Rhea happy at all costs. I don't want to have to die to that. But let me just tell you what, to fully possess all that God has for you, we have got to learn to start to die. We got to apologize when we don't want to apologize. We need to be kind when we don't want to be kind. We need to stop gossiping and walk away from it. We need to be encouragers and not discouragers. We need to build people up and not tear them down. We need to get up in the morning and be with the Lord whether we want to or not. We need to spend time in prayer. We need to die to self. We need to die to greed. We need to die to materialism. We need to die, 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 die. We need to cross the Jordan and begin to possess all that he has for us. Oh, if we only knew that to die to self, <laughs> we gain so much. He says, unless a kernel of wheat fall to the ground and die. He says, do you not know that when you lose yourself, you'll gain yourself? Even Jesus, before he started his ministry, what had to happen? Oh, somebody, where did he go? 
John the Baptist, where did he meet him? Oh, in the what? Oh, no, he didn't. Where did he meet John? He says, I have to do what? I got to be baptized. I got to be submersed. I got to die. Baptism's a picture of death. And where did he do it? Somebody tell me. In the Jordan. Even Jesus, before he started his ministry, he says, John says, no, you don't have to do this. You know who you are? You don't have to be baptized. What are you thinking? And he said, this needs to happen to fulfill all righteousness. I'm leading by example. I want my people to know they got to cross the Jordan. They got to die. They got to die. They got to die. Jesus comes up out of the water and what descends on him? The Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. It's a picture of the fullness. You see, you can be a wilderness wandering Christian, saved and going to heaven, and never experience the fullness of the Spirit, crossing over into the promised land and getting all that God has for you. Do you want the fullness? We spent a whole year studying the Holy Spirit, but I wonder how many of us are walking in the fullness of that. You got a cross. I don't want to stay wandering in the wilderness. I want the fullness of all that he has for me. I want to possess all that he has for me. Reuben and Gad and half-tribe of Manasseh said, you know what, we'll wait here. And I love Moses said, wait a second, you want to sit. All of your, your brothers have helped you conquer the enemy to get this land. Now, not only are you going to settle for what God didn't give you, he has more, but, but you want to be able to sit and have them go fight their own battle to, to possess their own land. Are you kidding me? You're going to go in there and fight. You can have this land if you want. We'll settle. You can, do, do, do you understand? He says, you're no, you're no better than your father's who gave a bad report, who didn't believe God would do what he said he could do, and discouraged and lost a whole generation of people because of it. And now you are going to do the same thing unless you go in and fight with them. And so they said, well, okay, I'll tell you what. We'll go in and fight with you to possess land, but then could we come back here? I'm like, what are you thinking? But that's so many of us. We'll go to church. We'll sound super spiritual. We'll pray up a storm with you. We'll lay hands on people. We'll, 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 incur, we'll send cards in the mail with scripture. We'll battle with you. You can call me for a prayer request and I'll pray for you. We'll battle with you. But could I just come back here and settle in so much less than what God has for me? Could I settle back here in my land of gossip where I'm comfortable? Could I just come back home and behave however I want to behave and settle? But hey, I'll hallelujah and, and, and praise the Lord and bless your sister on Sunday morning. But could I just come back? See, some of you, you're fighting the whole way to church in the car. You get in there, hallelujah. How are you, brother? Good to see you. Fight the whole way back home again. It hasn't made any difference Monday through, through Saturday. But you know what? When you're in church, baby, you are shining super spiritual, all that in a bag of potato chips. There's so much more. There's so much more. I was thinking today, I called Davey from the car, and I'm like, Dave, think about 
the Reubenites and the Gadites and, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, <laughs> they went and fought for seven years to kill off people and to help the tribes settle, the other nine and a half tribes settle in really great, wonderful land flowing with milk and honey, produce coming out the ears, grapes that are unbelievable, everything got said. And then they have to go back over the Jordan and live where they settled after they saw all that. I'm like, Davy, how'd they get back over? Because you know what happened. They, 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 the priest took the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, right back in the middle of that Jordan. The Jordan dried up, and they walked across. And he's like, Rhea, you saw the Jordan. It's no big deal. They could just wade across it. But I'm thinking, you know what? The first time they went across, they saw the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, right smack in the middle of that Jordan. And now they had to come back without it. They left the presence of God on the other side. And see, that's what we do. We go to church on Sunday morning, hallelujah, praise the Lord. We raise our hands in worship. And then we don't visit the presence of God the rest of the week. We leave it behind. And we wonder why we're not victorious. Do you know? Oh, I just, there's so much I want to preach. Do you know you can go to First, Corinth, First Chronicles, I think it's 5, 26, something like that. It's so interesting to me. They said, we'll build sheepfolds for our, for our livestock, and, and we'll fortify the cities for our babies. <laughs> you can't fortify a city big enough to protect your children when the presence of God isn't with you. You can try all you want. You, you, you can try to protect everything all you want, but, but without the presence of God, you, it is it's futile. Do you know that it says in 1 Chronicles that, that, that the first tribes that the enemy got to, do you know who they were? Gad, Reuben, and half-tribe of Manasseh, and they wiped them out because they didn't have the protection of the presence of God. It was on the other side of the Jordan. Can I ask you, which side of the Jordan are you in? So many of us want to live with a foot in both worlds. You see, that, that's what they wanted. They, that they wanted a foot in both worlds. It's so interesting to me that when they came back over after fighting for seven years and all their family was on the other side, that they built a, a big altar. Do, do you know why they built it? Because they called it the witness. Because they wanted, they, they knew that if they were living over here on the other side of the Jordan, that, that their generations would come after them and they would forget that they were part of the Israelites. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. Think about that. So you're not following me because if you really got that, it would have shaken you to the core. Because what they were saying is we know we're in rebellion. We know that they're going to look better than we are. And, and somewhere we're going to get so corrupted by the world we're living in that we're going to stop looking like them and people are going to stop associating us with them. And so we need to build this altar that says we are a part of them. I wonder if our families keep going the way they are going. if people are going to remember in the generations to come that we were sold out, laid down lovers for the Lord. Are my grandbabies, are my grandbabies going to be laid down lovers for the Lord? You better believe it. 
because I'm possessing all that he has for me. I am not settling, and my children are not going to settle, and my grandbabies are not going to settle, and my great-grandbabies are not going to settle, and I am not going to need an outward expression to testify to who I am. Can I tell you what? It is the late. It is the life. My life that needs to testify. I don't need to erect a monument and say, look at me. I have a cross necklace on and, and I can preach and I can pray with you and I carry a big old honking Bible and, and hallelujah, brother. I don't need an outward expression to identify me as a laid down lover of the Lord. The Bible says the disciples that they knew they had been with Jesus. They didn't have to say, hey, we've been with Jesus. We're tight. They just looked at them, and they knew they were so different that they could tell that they had been with Jesus. You don't need a monument. You just need to spend some time in the presence, and people will be able to look at you. Oh, I want that kind of life that people look at me and say, man, there is something different about her. I don't ever even want to have to mention the name of Jesus. That Francis of Assisi said, preach Christ always when necessary. Use words. He said, let your life preach. Let your life be a monument. Let your life be an outward expression of who you really are. The Israelites crossed over, and and, and they they crossed over the Jordan place of death. What was the first thing they did? Does anybody know? They came to Gilgal, and what did they do there? Come on, you guys. You're better than this. Circumcision. They didn't start fighting the enemy right away. Do you know what they did? They got circumcised. Okay, men. Owie, are you with me? I mean, I'm thinking the enemy was smart. They would have been like, hmm, they're hurting. Ain't no way their men are going to want to fight now. Why did he do that? Why would he have risked that? There's no way. I'm telling you, no way men would be able to fight right after circumcision. What is circumcision? Cutting away of flesh. We got to get a circumcision of the heart where we cut away the flesh. We cut away the garbage in our life so that we can possess all that God has for us. Will you let him cut it away? Will you let him cut it away in your life? One last thing that I want you to see. There's so much that I want to see, but I know we're late. But it's so interesting to me that the scripture that we quote so often, be sure your sin will find you out. You see, when you have a life like I lived, I will testify, be sure your sin will find you out. I was a master at hiding it. I was a master at trying to cover it up. But trust me when I say this, be sure your sin will find you out. And that's how my mama used to always quote it to me, be sure your sin will find you out, Rhea. And it does, trust me. I'm not, I'm not countering that uh, approach to this scripture, but let's keep it in context here. You know, I always preach you, keep it in context. What's the context here? The sin of half-heartedness. The sin of not wholly following the Lord. I'm sure your sin will find you out. interesting I was looking at the scripture where Joshua after they fight for seven years which is just incredible seven years perfection completion they battle for seven years before they take full possession of the promised land and 
And then Joshua calls them together, and he's commending them. Yay for you. You fought the battles. You were faithful to your word. You're faithful to what you told God you would do. Now you can go back, he says, to your tents and to the land you possess, the land of your possession. In other words, the land you settled for. And so go, rock on with your bad self, and you go back to your tents. He says it like five times. I can't, I can't tell you for sure, but it's like five times in that short little chapter. He says, go back to your tents. <laughs> he, he says, God has given your fellow tribesmen, he's given, he given your fellow Israelites rest. But you go back to your tents. Oh, I love it. Are you with me? Any campers here? <laughs> Dave and I love to camp. Tents are never, they're always temporary. They're never settled. And they're not a whole lot of comfort either. <laughs> and he's saying, way to go. Now go back to the land that of your possession and to your tents. Your fellow Israelites have been given rest. <laughs> so go back to the other side of the Jordan, to what you insisted on settling for. And you have a place where you'll never really rest. Can I tell you, the more I follow the Lord, the more I realize that there is nothing in this world worth compromising all that he has for me. David ticked me off last week. See, I know you, you wives are so much more spiritual than I am. You never get ticked at your husbands, but I, sometimes I get ticked, and I got a little ticked at him. And I, I kind of snapped at him, and I was kind of growly for a couple days. And I'm like, I would get up in the morning to have my, my Jesus time, and the word would be dead. Now, there's just about, I can do, I'll take just about anything except don't interfere with my Jesus time. I need that word more than I need the next breath I take. I live for that word. I'm not trying to be super spiritual. I'm just telling you, I live for that word. And Dave would say to me, how's your, how's your Jesus time, Rhea? And I'd be like, eh, it's dead. And he'd be like, oh, honey, you're just in the wilderness. And I'd be like, no, I'm just ticked at you. And the Lord is dealing with my heart. And, and some of you are like, oh, that's not how it works. Oh, really? Try it. Maybe it's not how it works for you, but it is how it works for me. I knew that I was wrong being angry. I knew that I was wrong holding on to a grudge. But I'm telling you, I was a little ticked off. And, and I, I just got to a point where he wasn't really sorry. And I kind of wanted him to be. And I, I can hold out. Anybody with me? I can, I can hold out. But I was miserable. And I was like, Lord, be like, Lord, where are you? I'm up. Here I am. This word is dead. Can you speak to me, please? I need you to speak to me. No. It got to a point where I was like, I'm staying in bed. I'm not even getting out of bed because you're not going to speak to me anyway. And then I realized, is it worth that, Rhea? Is it worth hanging on to that? Is it worth that for you to stay in the wilderness and not die to self and possess all that I have for you, the fullness of all that I have for you. I let that thing go quicker than anything. Because there's nothing worth that to me. It's not. It's not worth the last word. It's not worth, you know, being right. It's not worth looking justified. It's not worth anything. 
to miss out on the fullness of all that he has for me. To miss out on a life of peace, to miss out on a life of joy, to, to miss out on that rest of God. You see, some of you don't have that rest. Some of you don't have that peace. Some of you don't know that fullness. And it's just, you've you got to say, Lord, what is it that's keeping me from that? What am I settling for? Because I want all that you have for me. But we want to live with one foot in one world and one foot in the other world. Close enough to the promised land, but not possessing it. I'm going to ask Kelsey to come and play. And, and as she plays, I, I just want to invite you. Actually, I, I, I'm just going to ask you to stand where you're at while she comes up. And I, I want you to just really search your heart. I, I don't know if this spoke to your heart like it did mine, but, but I had to ask myself, am I settling? The, 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 the Reubenites and the Gadites, they looked with their eyes and it looked good. And they said, we'll settle here. It's good enough. I know that God has more, but I'm really quite satisfied with what I have here. And I wonder how many of us are just satisfied. We're satisfied with a lukewarm, mediocre Christian life. Please don't make me look like Rhea. If I have to look like Rhea, I'm not sure I want it. I'm really satisfied right where I'm at. Fine. Don't possess. So interesting to me. I was reading about possessing the gates of the enemy. And, and over and over, God says to him, engage the enemy and possess the land. <laughs> I'm starting to study about engaging the enemy. See, some of you are like, I'm backing away from the enemy. Oh, come on. He's defeated. He is defeated. You fight from victory, not for victory. And some of us have got to start engaging the enemy and saying, you know what? You are possessing what belongs to me. And I'm taking it back. I'm taking it back. Some of you need to take back your children. Some of you need to take back your marriages. Some of you need to take back your, your family life. Take back your joy, your peace. Engage. And say, this land belongs to me. It's my inheritance. Peace is my inheritance. Joy is my inheritance. Provision. He says you'll be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. You'll be lenders and not borrowers. No weapon formed against you will prosper. That's your inheritance from the Lord. Some of you need to engage and say, I am going to possess all that God, God promised me I could have. Some of you are, are living in depression and despair and hopelessness. When he says, peace I give to you. That he wants to give you joy unspeakable. Peace that passes all understanding. That the joy of the Lord will be your strength. And yet you're settling and letting the enemy possess your territory. You need to take it back. Take back your marriages. What would happen if you went home dead tonight? What would happen if you went home and were actually nice to that spouse? And forgave? 
and let go of offense. Love does not keep, I have it in my car right now, love does not keep a record of wrongs. What would happen if you canceled the record of wrongs you've been keeping? What would happen if you said you were sorry instead of waiting for the other person to say it? What would happen if you served instead of waiting to be served? What would happen if you let go of offense? I want to possess a lamb, the fullness of all that he has. Some of you have crossed the Red Sea. You've been set free. You've been delivered. But you've been living in a wilderness. Will you let tonight be the crossing over? Where you say, Lord, I'm going to start dying to self. Because I want the fullness of all that you have. I'm going to ask Kelsey to, to, to close in a, in, a, in a song. But while she's singing, I want you to just talk with the Lord. I want you to ask yourself if you've been settling. And I don't mean I've been settling with a, with a husband or a wife I don't like. I think I'll go find the one God has for me. Hello? You did. Now let him make it all it's supposed to be. Some of you are in a relationship, though, that's not a marriage that you've settled. And you need to cut it loose tonight and say, uh-uh, this is Yazar. This is Gilead. I'm not settling. I want the fullness of all he has for me. And so as Kelsey sings, would you just ask him to help you cross over tonight in a new way? in a way you've never experienced before. And let him show you a land that's flowing with milk and honey. Ask him to show you all that he died for you to have that you're living short of. Let's take some territory back tonight. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are encouraged and challenged to go deeper and grow stronger in your walk with Christ.